The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 132 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Loring and I am joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I liked talking basketball. We don't have a lot of like crazy soap opera news aside from James Harden, maybe, but we get to talk about these teams, look at these over unders for the West, and it should be a really competitive conference again. I think it's probably even stronger and deeper than last year. Yeah, uh, we'll use the Bovada sports book over unders like we did last week to do the Western Conference and a couple interesting things about that when we get there. I do want to talk about this James Harden thing quickly with you like let's, well, we could let's, start with them we'll go in order after that but let's talk about houston first and we can fold in the over under because last year they finished fourth in like a tie but like they they won the tiebreaker to be fourth they're 44 and 28 i don't even know if the line's on bovada is it i mean because of all this drama is. okay is. what is so, the line right now so uh real quick just to clarify again this is they have to uh, they got to play between 68 and 72 games. These over-under totals are based on playing 72 games. So when things look out of whack, that's why uh, it's a little different. This has nothing to do – there's no clause in there about, like, if James Harden gets coronavirus and doesn't play for three weeks, you win your money back. It doesn't work that way. So Houston over-under 35-and-a-half and – That's trending at, down because, like, last week it was, like, 36, 37. And it, it feels about right because it's it's kind of hard, I think, at this point to see how they make it through this with Harden. Uh, I will say real quick, Kelly Iko wrote an article on the athletic. I want to say it was last week about how Harden has approached the front office about getting traded before. Like it has been a situation where he's been like, okay, build a contender or trade me. Like I, you know, my legacy is really important and he's done this several years in a row now. It's never gotten to this point, right? Like, they made the Chris Paul deal, then they made the Russell Westbrook deal, and there's some varying reports about you know who was behind the Russell Westbrook deal. But I think that it's interesting now that it feels like it's coming to a head because before Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey and Harden were able to kind of like figure it out, right? It feels like now the rhetoric is that like Harden is just not interested in trying even to figure it out before. Like for two, three years he's done it, like and now he's just like forget about it. And if that's the case, like how can you possibly bet? over 35 you're betting on are they trading james harden or not because if you i think you would agree like the team's not great but they're if, if they play this roster with james harden i would bet over i bet over 35 wins that's under yeah. under 500 that's like, i would I, I would think they would win 40 plus i mean like yeah. they've won in a full slate 50 plus games average over the last four years and it's mostly just the james harden show there's no reason if he was motivated and healthy and raring to go that you would expect that much different. No, it's I don't just, think so. I, it's I, just, I uh, and if they trade him, are they, are they gunning? You know, that's the, <laughs> Daryl Morey, you know, great GM, kind of washed his hands clean of the situation, didn't take all the blame, but he left this in such a mess. Yeah. 
I mean, look at the, can I tell you some of the cap sheet issues? Cause like, it's you're kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't, if you hold the hold the core together, I think we agreed they could win 40 games. They could be a four seed. Maybe they could win around one game, you know, series. I don't think there's any chance they could win the title. And that's fine, but obviously it's not good enough for James Harden. And so the idea is, okay, let's blow it up. Well, what do you blow it up for? I guess Ben Simmons is the best case scenario, and he's obviously a really good franchise player. And he's young. I think he's 24 or 25. Yep. The issue is, is he going to be happy in Houston? Because to my point about the cap sheet, so you have John Wall in the books for $41 million this year, $44 million next year, player option $47 million. Eric Gordon's, you know, on the decline. His contract runs four years. He's being paid $21 million in 2024. I mean, they don't have cap. And this is the other really damning. I mean, Maury didn't make that deal, by the way, with the, with Wall. Like, he obviously, he did make the Eric Gordon deal. But, like, y- you have a window that you assume is open and you can go over the cap to sign a guy like Eric Gordon when you know for a fact that, like, your owner is not going to let you go over the tax line to sign any other free agents. You kind of get stuck, Zan. This is like the damning part. Can I say this? So you trade for Ben Simmons. We're rebuilding. We're going young. We tell Ben Simmons, hey, we need another piece because we don't have free agency money. Let's just tank this year. Can't do it. They don't have their pick next year. They don't have yeah. their own pick. So it's- you're basically banking, hey, we'll, we'll have to be bad for two years and then we'll get a good draft pick and that guy probably won't be ready for two years to be really good. Why is Ben Simmons happy in this situation? Right. And I don't even know, like I said, we don't know if that's the deal that is to be made. Like there's some other interesting deals. Like the, the Nets deal makes a lot of sense in terms of just like staying good, right? Staying like reasonably good. The Bucks are on the table, but I don't, you know, it just seems so unlikely that they would trade like Middleton, DiVincenzo. Yeah, I don't you know, see that. Like I could it, see it, that if you didn't care about Harden, and I saw some people write about that, like, why care about Harden? Um, where do he wants to play? You have him under contract for two, three years. What about like a bunch of pieces from Chicago? What about a bunch of pieces from Sacramento? Right. And the issue is, and this is the player empowerment stuff, like what if Harden just says like, okay, I'm not going to go there. Like I, I just refuse to report. Like I'm not going to do it, you know? And then it, it, it's, it's weird. And, and then the other thing too, like here's a question that I don't know. There was a story in baseball. Like you don't, I don't know if you follow this very closely, but there's a pitcher for the Rangers, Lance Lynn, who got traded to the White Sox. has one year left on his deal. It's, he's, he's a very good pitcher. But everyone was like, well, why didn't the Rangers trade him last year at the trade deadline? And it was because he told them like, if you trade me somewhere, I don't want to go. I'm just going to opt out. Like I'm just not going to play. And so, like, I don't know that that can happen in the NBA, but there's surely got to be some opt-out clause for the 21 season. Like, what if Harden just says, like, all right, you, you want to trade me to, like, I don't even know what, Charlotte? I don't, they don't, that doesn't even work. But, like, he just decides, like, okay, I'm not going to play. Like, because, again, it's not like he needs money. He has a huge – he has, like, a huge Adidas deal. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't think he has that much leverage, though, Zan. Like, it doesn't – I, and I think he's going to probably have to suck it up and, and just play and, and realize like, hey, this is sort of the fate you're in, this purgatory of like chasing MVPs and not chasing titles it's, anymore. It's, it's very interesting, right? Because like we talked about this with Anthony Davis, like we, we spoke specifically about how like, how does this affect his legacy if he just decides like, okay, I'm not going to play, like I'm just not playing. And like Harden, he can't really do that, right? Like you, you, you already get, I, I think he's treated tremendously unfairly 
by the general public right? as unfairly well, as, you can, as unfairly as you can get treated you're saying as a player as a personality because just is as a person as a, as a personality i think like but but this is my point what's he supposed to do like he signs a contract under a different ownership with a different front office and then all of a sudden at the very end of like as he's reaching the end of his peak possibly is out of his peak then the owner come a new owner comes in detonates the front office, detonates the coaching staff. They fired a bunch of coaches two years ago, Zan, if you remember correctly, refuses to spend to get over the tax. So their options are limited anyway. And like, you're just telling Harden, like, okay, we're paying you a ton of money. Like you have to sit in this situation. Like I understand how contracts work, obviously, but I understand being upset about it too. And, and I do think like it's, it's a situation where like the Rockets should absolutely just look for the best deal. I've said this a hundred times, like, it sucks because they know he wants out and they know he might not go somewhere else, but like they should just look for the best deal. If you're really going to trade him, like there's no reason to panic. There's no reason to be like, all right, James, we're going to trade you before the season starts. Like, no, absolutely not. Just wait and see what people will give you. But I don't see a scenario where, I mean, do you think he finishes the season in Houston? Before I said, I thought it was less than 50%. I don't know that I think that anymore. The clock's running out. Especially because he's doing like the, you know, like he, he was like at a birthday party in Atlanta, like posting about it, like just brazenly like violating rules. It, it seems like he just doesn't anticipate suiting up for the Rockets, right? Because he's not doing any of the things that you would expect. And it's, to- it's hard. I, I, I would bet, I certainly would not bet this over under. It's just too risky on both sides. But um, I'm inclined to think he might have to play out the season because... I feel that way too. Yeah, yeah it's just like... It's hard to match the contracts. It's hard to match like the playing style. Like let's say they trade for, you know, Ben Simmons, for example, just because I think he's the best player on the market. Ben Simmons doesn't fit with John Wall, really. Is they are both clutch clients though. So <laughs> uh, that's a good point. But is Harden fit with Embiid? Are they going to be happy like trading possessions? I don't, know. I don't I don't know. Honestly, I really don't know. It's it's interesting. Like I do think Harden can play anywhere. I know there are people who don't think that because like they think he needs ISO, blah, 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 blah. But like I just feel like he's too good of a shooter. He's too good of a player. Like he, he's very fungible in terms of integration to me. But I, I wouldn't rule out Golden State either. Just that one the makes the, that one makes the most sense. Like right, with I, no clay, like yeah, Harden and Steph could play really well offensively. Obviously, that's what um, I think. I think I texted you that right. I was like Wiggins at first and Wiseman for James Harden. Yeah, like just do I think it. That makes sense. I mean, the Knicks. Fan, my favorite of the Knicks fans. I I almost texted this to you. You want to hear a Knicks fans proposal? Absolutely, uh, I do. And then we'll move on. Uh, this is for James Harden, by the way, not John Wall. This guy, Mark Passar, says, maybe something like Dennis Smith Jr., Julius Randle, Kevin Knox, and a first rounder. So there, there's good, a package. Man. Well, yeah. that's a lot you of... Get Knox and Dennis Smith Jr. You get some, you get some cap relief right away, right? That's Cause, true. Because uh, Randle's got like $20 million on the books this year. I don't know what Dennis Smith's deal is. But yeah, all right, that's cool. Kevin Knox, like that's he's still a tradable <laughs> Remember when Kevin Knox was like this super tradable asset, even oh, though he was man. having like the most well, horrendous rookie year of all time. Then he got no better, and all of a sudden, people were they stopped. Talking well, he about he had Kevin a good Knox. like same with Dennis Smith Jr. They had a good like summer league or whatever. That's why we're not yeah, talking too much about league. preseason because uh, I will say the one thing. Wall, you know, Wall did have thirteen and nine the other night. He he certainly can't play the major minutes, and it is the preseason. So like, let's pump the brakes, obviously. But it, he looked relatively explosive, which is the most important thing that you could probably see right now. Yeah, so, but, but so we're saying stay away but i think we both agree if, if he just sucks it up they're gonna win i think they'll go over yeah if you yeah, can 38 39 that, 40 games that on december 22nd or december 23rd whenever their first game is that james harden is playing for the rockets i would bet the over okay let's talk about the teams that have stability 
The Lakers are going to order. 52 uh, wins last year. Um, they brought in, obviously, Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell to like bolster their secondary scorers, their bench. Um, how does that reflect the over-under? They have the highest over-under in the West, according to Bovada, which is not a surprise. I am quite sure you anticipated that. It is, let me scroll down real quick on my document, 47 and a half. And I've told you before, I think the Lakers are sneaky under. And I know that like I'm going to get accused of being like a LeBron hater. And like I would love to see the Lakers fail this year. It would be tremendous. I don't think they will. I still think they'll be very good. I just don't know with how quick this season has gone and how many minutes LeBron and Anthony Davis played last year. Like, I just don't know if we can chalk it up to like those guys are definitely playing 60 games. Like, it seems like LeBron needs to play 50 or 55 games. That's my logic, too, to take a slight under, like, 46, 47 wins. Like, I think maybe LeBron would be motivated by the idea of, hey, I should have won MVP last year, which I don't think he should have. But if he thinks that and he just repeats his numbers from last year, I think he probably would win it as sort of, like, a misguided, you know, um, payback. if, if If Giannis and LeBron have the exact same stats this year, LeBron will win MVP. Yeah, because uh, the media sure. will claim it's like a makeup call, you know, almost. Yeah. Um, even though it's a regular season award, whatever. Um, I just don't see him pushing that hard. Like, to your point, like, he played a lot of games. He played 34-plus minutes last year. What's the point? You're MVP is a young man's chase. We've talked about that before. He doesn't need that for his legacy. I think he just wants to get in there healthy. Um, I think they're going to coast to 46, 47 wins. Yeah, and, like, LeBron shouldn't care about winning the MVP. Like, at this point, right, he has four titles. The goal should be to get to six, right? That, that's his goal. And he should, yes. do whatever he, he should do whatever he can to get to that point. And, so, like and I, I think said, they've already started, like, last year it was about empowering Anthony Davis. This year there's a lot of hype about Kyle Kuzma's breakout season. I saw those quotes. It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Like, uh, okay, let's talk I, about I mean, you would, be, you would – very clearly, you can't bet this that I've seen at least, but like if you were to bet who was going to be the Lakers' third leading scorer, you would certainly not be betting on Kyle Kuzma. Like you'd bet Schroeder or Trez, right, to be their third leading hopefully, scorer? Hopefully. I mean, I think it's got to be Schroeder, right? Uh, who else? Yeah, could? I think Schroeder. I think Kuzma, like it's time to just give up the ghost here. I mean, he shot <laughs> 31% from three, yeah, 73% from the line, and that's playing with two superstars. I mean, like. Yeah, it's like not a young kid either. Like, like maybe it's over. Maybe he, he we have to stop good, trying to make him happen. We we uh we, we stopped trying to make Kyle Kuzma happen. Good quote. We we were like critical of Kyle Kuzma, just like we were critical of Rondo. But like, I mean, Kuzma was like their seventh best player in the playoffs. Right. Like, right? Like Caruso was better. I mean, I don't, Danny Green was definitely better, despite like the calls for how terrible Danny Green was. But like Markeith Morris was better when he played. Rondo was better. Like, what are we talking about? With right. Kyle and like the Lakers fans will say, oh, he played pretty well in the playoffs. He did he play. Did. He did. He did. But to your, to your point, it's like he's an NBA player, you know, seventh man's fine. But two years ago, people were talking about him as better than Brandon Ingram. Like, that's how yeah. far like the expectations have dropped. Yeah. Um, I mean, LeBron can say whatever he wants, but there's no way that he doesn't look in the mirror and he's like, I wish we had Brandon Ingram. There's just no uh, way. Clippers last year, you know, despite coasting won 49 games, um, you know, brought in Luke Kennard, Ibaka is going to replace Montrezl Harrell, Ty Lue's replacing Doc, sliding over the bench. What's their over under? Uh, second highest, as you'd expect, it is 46 and a half on Bovada. I, personally think this is an over even though that is a pretty high number 
I think the second year they did sign Paul George to a max extension. So some of that pressure is off. There is going to still be the Kawhi Leonard pressure in terms of being able to opt out. But Kennard is a good fit. It was pretty clear they if they were going to roll with like the Kawhi Paul George pairing, they needed to change. Ty Lue is good at managing personalities. Uh, not probably as good as Doc, but in this situation, I think it's a, it's a little bit better. Ibaka is a big help. Uh, they'll play Zubac more. Like I, this is a good team, man. Like they're they're I think going to win the. I think they're going to win the West. Yeah, I thought that last year too. I might think that again this year. I think they'll go over based on talent, based on motivation. I think they're want to wipe off that the stink from last year. I think they'll win maybe slightly over. I don't think I would bet it again. Forty eight wins, forty nine wins. Okay, let's move on to Denver because they're really interesting. Three seed last year, they were forty six and twenty seven. You know, obviously had a memorable playoffs, um, two game seven wins, and then they lose to the Lakers. How does that look in their over under? All right. Over under on Bobata is 44 and a half for Denver, which is interesting. It is the third best in the West, which is, you know, right what you'd expect, I would imagine. I don't really know, honestly, what to do with this. Like, they've. If Jokic is like ready to go at the start of the season, one of the reasons their wins total is always a little bit less than you expect is that like you you get like that month where like Jokic just seems like a normal player, and then in the second half, all of a sudden he's freaking amazing. Like we know how good Jamal Murray can be. Will we see that level of Jamal Murray for an entire year? It, it's hard to say, right? Like they Michael Porter is definitely an upgrade over uh, Jeremy Grant, like a hundred percent. And if he can guard even a little bit, it's it's pretty good. They paid Monte Morris, like. J. Michael Green's pretty good at the five. I don't know why they re-signed Paul Millsap. Like, uh, that was quite interesting to me. But I think Denver's pretty good. I guess I would lean slightly over, but, like, very slightly. Like, I, I don't, I'm not super confident in that. I'm pretty confident in the under. I'll disagree with you. And okay. in general, I think for over-unders, you kind of want to bet against, like, the last recency bias impression. And so everyone's really high on Denver. I saw somebody on Reddit saying, you know, Jamal Murray's going to break out, average 30 points a game. Mm. He averaged 18 and a half last year. Don't think that's going to happen. Um, he, I agree. I like Michael Porter. Apparently he's dating a bachelorette contestant. Good for, Good for him. him. Madison. Yeah. Madison, yeah. But also, Auburn coach's daughter, remember her? Oh, he's... Uh, yeah, I But don't they, know. not a good defender. They finished 16th in defense last year. I think that might get worse. And then also, if you look at like sort of the advanced indicators, their point differential, their SRS, they overachieved last year in the regular season. They should have won about 41 games instead of 46. And so I think that's actually closer to their actual performance. I think they're going to win 42, 43. I think it's a pretty safe under. I don't think they're much better than Utah and Dallas and all these like the teams that are considered a notch below them. So, so one of the reasons I, real quick, before we move to whoever's next, I think it's Utah. I'm not sure. Uh, I do think that you're underestimating Will Barton being healthy. Cause remember like the recency bias we saw in the bubble, they played the entire time without Will Barton, who was like their best, probably their best two way guy in terms of like, what can you use defensively? What I worry about with them more than anything is like, if you're battling the top of the West, you need a bigger wing to guard like LeBron's and Kawhi's and like Will Barton is a very good defender, but he's so thin. Michael Porter jr. Is far away from being a good defender 
Millsap's too slow to guard those guys, and they let Torrey Craig walk. So I do worry about them defensively in terms of stopping bigger wings. I don't know why they drafted the kid Zeke from Arizona. Like, they don't need another center. Like, they took R.J. Hampton because I think they're prepared to, like, jettison Gary Harris here in the future, so they want to have, like, a good guard in the pipeline. Like, I think there were moves for them to get better than they are, but I do think bringing Will Barton back and, and having him healthy is a very big deal for Denver that I think is not something that I've seen talked about a lot. So when you do talk about recency buys, I agree with you. I just don't think they were as good as we saw in the bubble. Like they just happened to make the conference finals in like two of the wildest series we've seen in a while. Like, I don't know, I know. that they were that good. They just got pretty lucky. I think in that situation. Well, Mike Malone, defensive coach, here's a little concern. So the idea was, you know, even with Jokic, Jokic is underrated as a defender, maybe, positionally. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, Their maybe. ranks under Mike Malone in defense 24th, the next year 29th out of 30, up to 25th. They had one really strong year two years ago, 10th. Maybe they're turning the corner, but then last year falls back to 16th. They were so bad at the second half of two years ago. Like, I mean, they're just not very good defensively. That's just the bottom yeah, line. That's not easy to do. Okay, so we talked about Houston, who was fourth last year. I, going in order, I guess we'd talk about Oklahoma City, who was fifth last year with 44 wins. Do it to it. Uh, some changes, you know. They, they still have some veterans, but I just don't know how many they'll play them. They have George Hill, they have Al Horford, Trevor Ariza right now. But it's mostly young team building around Shea. What's their over under? Trevor Ariza is on Oklahoma City. What the heck? I did not. I did not know that. His contracts uh, there. So they have the, as you would expect, because they are trying to lose games. They have the lowest over under on Bovada. It is twenty three and a half. Which I will say one thing that I want to point out is it's quite interesting how the league views the West versus the East, right? So 23 and a half is the lowest in the West and then nobody else is lower than 29 and a half. And by comparison in the East, you had people lower than 20, you had two teams lower than 23 and a half, but then you had a bunch of teams like 25 and a half, 23 and a half, you know, 25, 28 and a half. Like, so it's pretty interesting that like, even with the Oklahoma city being so poorly thought of, like the rest of the West is considered very strong like they're, they're saying that there's five worst teams in the east than the second worst team in the west it's pretty surprising i think well, somebody I think has I, to somebody has to lose games right i'm surprised i think this is like dramatically um overblown they're 23 and a half i think they'll win 17 18 games just trying to lose because i think they have to do that to secure that top spot and um it's kind of an interesting wrinkle we haven't talked about we talked about maybe expanding rosters i think they're gonna have 20 guys this year yeah Oh, yeah. And so look at this Oklahoma City depth chart at point guard. Shea Gildas-Alexander, George Hill, Frank Jackson, Ty Jerome, Josh Gray, Theo Maladon, Jason Randall. That's six different point guards. And my point is, for like a tanking team like Oklahoma City, I think it's going to look wonkier than ever because they're going to have a lot of nights where they're playing Jason Randall and, you know, Kevin Irvey and all these random people you've never heard of to make sure they get that top three pick. I'd, you know, the worst teams last year won 19, 20 games. Why would they win 23? Why would they win 24? What's the motivation? Yeah, I think this is an under two. This was one. This is one of my better bets because I just don't think like they're going to trade Al Horford if they can. Like when he gets there, he didn't play in the preseason, but they're going to trade Al Horford if they can. I mean, that's the bottom line. 
they've got some other guys that I think are interesting trade candidates as well. You know, your Mike Mascalas, your George Hills. They clearly want to play Melodon, who was pretty good in the preseason. Slenderman, just a casual four for eight from three. No need to get excited too early, but they're going to be about that? Like, they're talking be about Houston. Team. They're going to be the worst team. You know, if Oklahoma City is going to be bad for two or three years, why wouldn't they take John Wall and trade, you know, Al Horford and George Hill to Houston? I think with those guys, Houston could maybe be a second round winner team. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe they could be. I don't know if like one, I don't know if Houston can take on an extra. I mean, they definitely could take on George Hill and and Horford, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it just it just made sense for Houston to do the one for one swap, you know. And 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 New Orleans, or sorry, New Orleans, Oklahoma City's not throwing in any picks. So yes. like that's another thing for Houston. Like part of dealing Westbrook for Wall was like you're taking baby steps to try to replenish the picks that you don't have, right? Because they gotta protect it first, which will likely not be that. But same deal with like Robert Covington. They got a they got a first round pick, so like they just moved him. Because if you just keep Robert Covington and you try to run it back, your team's pretty freaking good still, you know, and they didn't do that. So it's like, it's, yeah. um, next team kind of a forgotten team in the West, Utah last year, they won 44. No one remembered that. They remember they took uh, Denver to seven great series. Feels like 10 years ago. Blew it. It's, yeah. Yeah. What's their over under this year? Uh, so on Bovada this year, Utah is considered pretty good. Uh, they are 41 and a half. I went over last year. I'm going to go over again this year. I don't know. They're, they made a couple like curious moves to me that seemed like they were kind of hedging against not re-signing Rudy Gobert or not giving Rudy like a super max, which I don't think he, he's a max player. I don't think he's a super max guy. But like they drafted Yudoka Azabuki and they signed Derek Favors. Like why do they have two other giant centers? That doesn't really make sense. But they get Bogdanovich back, Royce O'Neal. Ingles, I like the kid Elijah Hughes. They re-signed Jordan Clarkson. They gave Donovan Mitchell a max. Mike Conley looked reasonable towards the end of the year last year. I think the team maybe that I thought they were going to be last year is who I hope they will be this year. I think they're going to win 45 games. I, I think this is a good over to me. I think I totally agree. And I use Denver as a comparison because last year, point differential, Utah was slightly better than Denver. They were went toe-to-toe in the first round, as we said, without Bogdanovich. So tell me, why is this team four wins worse than Denver? Like, yeah. What's the argument? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I really do. They, they definitely need to – they got to hope Jordan Clarkson's as good as he was last yeah, year, right? That, that's certainly possible mirage. And then Donovan Mitchell, it's unlikely he'll be as good as he was in the playoffs, but he is really good. I mean, he showed us the, the signs of being like an efficient lead scorer, which we hadn't really seen before. So if he's that guy, they could take a big jump. Like Utah's roster – they do have some bodies to throw at wings, like and and like if Mike Conley's good, like Utah's roster very conceivably could be one of the top three in the in the West. I, I yeah, think at least. I, I agree. And I think Donovan Mitchell has shown that he keeps improving. Yeah. I think Conley's gonna be better. You know, I, I agree. It's a little weird to double down on centers, but Derek Favors is gonna be a really good backup. Um, keep their defense really strong. I do. I do wonder. I do wonder if this is the last run we see with this Utah team. Like, I, I like. Is there a team that could pluck Rudy and then sign it? You know what I mean? Like, I just right. And I think Conley's expiring, so maybe this is the sort of last hurrah. But I think they're going to have a good hurrah. I think they're going to be a top four seed, like you said. Uh, Conley. All right. So first of all, Nick Batum started a preseason game for the Clippers. So like, before I slander Nick Batum, like the guy's still starting NBA preseason games. But like, 
Nick, Mike Conley had the same type of like contract announcement that Nick Batum did where it was like, Mike Conley will be opting into his deal. And it's like, you read that and you're like, no shit, Shams. The dude's making 30 plus million dollars this year. And if you opted out, it's, we don't even know if he'd get 30 million in total based off his season last year. Like that was one of the, I, I loved those two announcements. They were so great. Like Nick Batum's opting into his $27 million deal. Like what, Let's what do you see how quickly things change? Cause he got 27 million. Clippers also have Reggie Jackson, who was getting what, like twenty million at one point. Man, and he's on a minimum deal, right? Yeah, I mean, anyway. So another team that's really in that tier, I think, Dallas last year, forty-three wins. Um, Luca is the betting favorite for MVP by a decent margin. A good, yeah, good margin. Um, So where do they stand now? They won forty-three last year. What's their over/under? So Ambovada forty-two and a half. it makes sense. They aren't drastically different. Uh, Josh Richardson probably makes them a little better, though the shooting, we hope, is a little better than it was last year in Philly. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., last year of his deal, also opted in. I don't know if he'll repeat what he did last year, but I do think Luca makes guys a lot better. I think this is an over. I've told you before, the Mavs have like very sneaky title like odds to me like where like if Luca really is in his third year the best player in the NBA which is a, a, a conceivable outcome I, I don't think I would bet on it but it's like a conceivable outcome like this team is good enough to to win the title in my opinion I, I think they have a couple things they need to figure out I, I think they do need another shooter whether or not that ends up being like Josh Green or Tyrell Terry or somebody like that like or Porzingis just really has a great year that stuff to me, they, they still do need one more perimeter shooter, I think. I thought it was odd they got rid of DeLon Wright, but they, they really seem to believe in Trey Burke and Jalen Brunson, and those guys are cheaper. And obviously, they want to keep their cap sheet clean for 2021. So it's interesting. I don't think they're a lot better, but I do think Luka taking another jump, which maybe that's unreasonable to think, Zan. We've talked about it before, yeah. but like maybe it's unreasonable to think that he's got more of a ceiling. But like I, I do think like they have like sneaky title odds to me. Like They, they could win the title in, in, in a certain scenario. And not to fall back on point differential again, but it is a good indicator of, you know, your record or actual record or expected record. They were they were plus four point nine last year per game, which is by far better than Denver and Utah. It was the third best in the West. They should have, according to that, one, you know, in the high forties. Yeah, they so I don't think they were so bad in close games last year. Right. And, and that's that something tends you'd to be expect. Flaky. Yeah, you'd expect a team to regress or just get better as they get more veteran. I, I think they're going to be a little like worse as a team because I I do think like Josh Richardson's just not the shooter that he's his reputation is. But based on the point differential, based on how stacked the, you know the roster is, the coaching, I I think I'd take the over. I think they're going to win forty four, forty five games. What do you think the ceiling is on Rick Carlisle? Like he's won a title before. They, they've had they, they've had very good teams with Rick Carlisle. I think he's a very good coach. Very clearly, they were great on offense, but like. He's been the coach there a long time. Do you think Rick Carlisle is going to be the coach when like Luca is twenty seven? Yeah, like do you do you think that like Rick Carlisle is just his relationship with Cuban is so good and they've gotten better and like you can see what he's good at? Do you think Rick Carlisle like really has five six more years left in Dallas or even more? Like, is that a situation? No, I mean, he's old. I think it's a good. It's going to be sort of a make or break year in the sense that like they took a big jump last year. Everyone's expecting another jump. If it doesn't happen, maybe there's some resentment. Maybe there's a change. I don't think, I think that Giannis thing is very real. I haven't even heard the rumors really, but I just, you have to look at this team and think about how appealing it would be for Giannis. Um, and 
I, I love, you know, I think if it's not him, it's somebody else. Like they, they are one piece away, I think, from being a title team. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump the gun there. But yeah. Rick Carlisle, 13 years, he's been the head coach of the Mavericks. It doesn't, it seems, I mean, obviously we know he won a title with them in 2011, but like it just seems like he's been there forever and it doesn't seem like coaches stay places that long. So hey, can I ask you a question like, as a coach, as a former coach? This is me projecting here. Um, because you would might think Rick Carlisle, old school guy, does he fit the modern player friendly NBA where basically, you know, players can do whatever the hell they want. Do you think there's a difference between, you know, international players and American players in that sort of attitude about how they listen to coaches? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Uh, I wouldn't be super confident answering it like definitively. But I do think, yeah, you're, you know, what you're saying is like the structure you see with European teams and like European training programs is, is a lot different than we see in the NBA now, for sure. And I don't want to get into like a AAU versus like European culture because like it's just not a reasonable argument to make. The AAU, like the American amateur basketball system, like not to, not to even say AAU, but like just youth sports in America is better than youth sports in Europe. It's just, it just is like, it's just the, especially for basketball, like it just is. But I do think that, yeah, I think that European players are a little bit better with structured coaches and that is what rick carlisle is and dallas's offense is really good and there is a lot of like there are a lot of reads it's a lot of he doesn't call plays like he used to but like there was a time when rick carlisle called every single play which is insane in the nba like nobody does that and he did it until i believe two years ago he was doing it when jason kidd was on the team which is pretty surprising and good for him for evolving um okay next team finished eighth last year stole the spot from memphis portland a lot of good momentum this year bringing in robert covington nurkic is back they're they only won 35 games last year but how bullish is vegas on them this year pretty bullish i would say on bovada they are at i think it was 40 and a half let me check yeah 40 and a half and that is minus 160 which means there's a lot of action on that that might be a little recency bias if you want to talk about uh, recency bias like i think portland's roster is better I think Derek Jones is good. I think Robert Covington is quite good for what they needed. They needed wing depth really badly. But the problem is, like, you still have the same issues at the point of attack. So unless they're going to zone, which makes some sense with Derek Jones, you still have Lillard and you still have C.J. McCollum. Damian Lillard had the best season of his career, maybe the best offensive season in the entire NBA last year. It's definitely possible to argue that. Do we think he's going to repeat that? They still don't have a backup point guard. They don't. Like, I believe in Anthony Simmons. It doesn't seem like a lot of other people do. Gary Trent is not going to sign an extension, he already said. So it seems like he's kind of looking ahead to the fact that he played well in the bubble and he's pretty important for them this year. I'm going to go under, and I'm going to predict Terry Stotts gets fired, even though I think Portland's pretty Uh, good. And are you predicting that clutch client Gary Trent signs with the Lakers? God, I don't even – I mean, I think I already predicted that, but – I, I agree with you on the under. It's just like their defense was so bad last year. I think Covington obviously helps a lot, but I think it's just sort of like a fatal, I don't want to say fatal flaw because they've gotten to the conference finals, but like Lillard and McCollum are just together, not great defensively. They don't really have great wing depth still. I, and, and you bring in Enos Cantor, that's not going to help that. He was good. I, you know, he was good there before, but they played a little bit differently. Like it, it's interesting to me because. I don't. I mean, it seems like we're expecting like Rodney Hood to give them boost off the bench, but like he's coming back off Achilles surgery, so like is that fair to assume they're expecting a big role from Carmelo Anthony, who was good for them last year, but like 
my, my man's a year older. It's, right. it's not a and great that, story that was anymore. My prediction. Like, you, already, you already gave a good one with Stotts getting fired. My prediction for this team is Carmelo gets bought out. I think he's gonna. They're gonna try they're gonna to get him. Buy away. out Carmelo from a minimum deal. Yes. No, they're I, just gonna cut him. Like, well, I whatever they'll negotiate it to make it look like a mutual thing. Um, I think you know he's just not good enough defensively. The team's not good enough defensively, and it's just eventually the coach, if he feels pressure, he's like, I can't play this guy just because my his teammates like him and respect him. Like I have to win games. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? Like as excited as I've been about Zach Collins, like we don't know how healthy he's going to be. Nurkic was quite good last year, but like he's a five. You can't play Enos Cantor at the four. They did sign Harry Giles. I like it as a lotto ticket, but like he's a five. So like your fours are really going to be like Carmelo, Robert Covington, and like yeah, a lot of Robert Covington. Like I think that I think they're going to play a lot of Lillard, McCollum, Trent Jr. All good players, Cub, undersized group. Cub and Nurkic. Yeah, that's a good lineup, but good it's lineup. small. Yeah, and um, it's not great defensively. Like like Covington's a good help defender, and like Nurkic is a pretty good defender as a big. But like the other three guys are not good defenders. It's just the bottom line. Like you have to play. You got to play Derek Jones. Like you, and that's really they have two good defenders. Three, if you count if you count Nurkic, who I do think is a good defender. But that's it. Yeah. Like that, that's it. Like they're they're expecting Carmelo Anthony to go like guard fours for major minutes. Like he wasn't good in that role last year. Like he was a good offensive player. He played hard. He rebounded. But like, are we really expecting like okay, Carmelo Anthony is going to like match up with fucking I don't even know Nurkic? I mean, uh, Jokic. Like what what is, what are we doing here? Yeah, I think they're more likely 37, 38 wins, safely under. I like them. I don't know if I'd bet it just because I, I like I bet them, them you know? to miss the playoffs if their odds yeah. were good enough. Because I think it's like a foregone conclusion that people think Portland's going to make the playoffs. And I think it's more likely than not that they're going to make the playoffs. But, the but I think there's are. like definitely a world where like Portland finishes 10th and people are like, why? That's kind of weird. And it's like, well, they stunk last year too. So like. Yeah, their defense is really bad. Um, Memphis had a great year, just missed the playoffs in that play-in thing. 34 wins last year. They pretty much bring back the same team. How does Vegas expect a natural regression, but how much so? Yeah, uh, Bovada has them at 31.5, which makes sense. Jaron Jackson's out for the year, which is a huge loss, obviously. Their roster is good. Like they, they, they did some good things with it. John Morant should take a jump. Uh, Memphis is a good team. It, it doesn't... If they don't make the playoffs this year, it's not a failure. All their players are super young, with the exception of Valanciunas. Like, there's some guys that they really want to take big-time looks at. Like, they gave John Conchar money. They gave D'Anthony Melton a really good deal. They gave uh, Killian Tilly. They signed to a two-way deal who could be a great shooter for them. They drafted Desmond Bain. Like, they've, they've done a lot of good things. But, like, this screams 30 wins to me, and it's fine. They'll be, I think, getting Jaron Jackson back healthy, figuring out Brandon Clark and his role moving forward. Right. Like, And, and Jaron Jackson's not out for the year. He's out for the start of the year, I think. No, I thought he was – didn't he? Uh, you you talk, and, I, and I'll yeah. look at <laughs> – I think he was, they said he's out until, you know – maybe for a few months, but who knows if they shelve them, if they get off to a bad start. Right. And I think okay. that'll be good for Brandon Clark. I think he had a really good sneaky year last year. Um, I th- okay, I think so they are an- saying February seems reasonable. He tore his ACL. So I just assumed it was a straight 12 month recovery. Yeah. I, and maybe they need to, you know, for all the hype he got as a rookie, like he shot really well, but I think he's still a little lost defensively. Like, is he a center? Like, let's try that. Let's get that going and play him with Brandon Clark. They, they seem reluctant to do that. I, also, Dylan Brooks said Jaron Jackson's two to three inches taller this year. So Jaron Jackson, two to three inches taller, and Jason Tatum apparently is 6'10 now. So it's great. I love these kind of <laughs> trivia um, things. 
Yeah, I would. I don't know if I, I would take the under, but it's just like I, you know, Vegas and and all of basketball is just smarter. Like like five years ago, this would be a great under because everyone. Yeah, would be it'd be like they're going to jump like up thirty six and, and a half, and you just hammer yeah. it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Phoenix. People are expecting a rise here. Thirty four and thirty nine last year. That includes eight zero in the bubble. Yeah. Obviously, added Chris Paul. And how does that affect their over-under? Okay, so you shan't be surprised about this one. Bovada is very bullish on the Phoenix Suns. Their over-under is 39 and a half, which <sighs> that's high, as you'd expect. Uh, it seems reasonable. I told, I, I said to somebody, somebody texted me, I was like, what are your predictions for next year? And I think we'll do that on next week's show. But I mean, I think Monty Williams is like your obvious candidate for like coach of the year because this is a team that, assuming they reach expectations which i guess is 40 wins i didn't think they were a 40 win team but i guess like 40 and 32 is not unreasonable for this team like they are pretty darn good i, I guess i'm gonna i, I don't know i want to go under because i just don't know that chris paul is going to give you a first team all nba season again but if he plays as good as he played in oklahoma city last year like i think this is a 42 or 43 win team i am taking the under for sort of the reason you're hinting at like i think with if chris paul is healthy that's a 40 win team I just don't see him playing 70 games again. That's I don't know. Fucking old. Yeah, he really is. And he's pretty freaking good. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be more direct and say that I'm going to take this over for the sake of the show. I'll take the under for the sake of the show. Also, I, and not Jared for the Jackson, show, uh, just Jared for, Jackson torn meniscus, not ACL. So I was wrong about that. I just wanted to I, yeah, but just like, keep piling up those losses already. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about Phoenix. How many better can, with the exception of maybe Deandre Ayton, like, how many better constructed rosters are there than Phoenix it, I, right now? Not many because it's just they have so much talent. Really. Like, the, the pieces really fit. If Chris Paul's yeah. really good and Booker tries on defense, but like, they're basically, they're almost too deep at like every position with the exception of maybe center. And again, like, I don't know that they, going small is probably better for them in the long run anyway, but like, Paul, I mean, obviously they've CP3s going to play a lot of minutes, and then Javon Carter and, and Campaign are both like capable backups. They paid Javon Carter, so they feel good about him, even though he's not a scorer. Booker's going to play a lot of minutes, and then Langston Galloway is like a very good second-unit player in the NBA, right? I saw an interview with Chris Paul where he was really happy that they signed Langston Galloway and Etuan Moore, and just from like right. a locker room perspective, like vets. They pay Jay Crowder, and he has shown up, but he's not playing yet. We'll assume that he has COVID. I don't want to like throw that out there because they're they're keeping it anonymous when players do. But if like you show up to camp and then you're not playing, it's, it's put two and two together. But like Crowder and Cam Johnson plus Dario Sarge will be healthy. Like you have three guys that can play the four. Then you have Aiton, and like you said, Mikel Bridges plus like Etwan Moore. Like they 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 are good. Like this is a deep team. Now are they top end talent good enough to win the title? I don't think so. But like. Night in and night out, are they going to be the better team when they play? Like, if Monty Williams is good, I, I think they're going to be pretty good. I really do. Yeah, and that's why, I like, in the NFL, if, if you're on the, in the draft, let's say, and you're deciding between two players, I would say, like, take the linemen, offensive or defense, because you know they'll blend in somewhere. It's not going to hurt you. And I think for basketball, it's like, when in doubt, go with, like, the 3 and D wing. Know. You know, like, Emil Kyle Bridges or Cam Johnson or whoever. It's if, like, they can just blend in anywhere. Like, you can I always mean, use that. I understand. I like Jalen Smith. Like, I think he was a good player, but he makes no sense for Phoenix, right? He just doesn't make sense for Phoenix. I have no idea why they picked him. They must have picked him because they knew they were going to let Aaron, or because they, they knew Aaron Baines was going to walk. But, like, they could have picked Halliburton. They could have picked Devin Vassell. They could have picked, like, Aaron Neesmith. Like, there were so many other options that helped this specific team more than Jalen Smith. I, I was pretty disappointed. Well, let me, let me ask you this had. question. 
you mentioned the depth chart being really strong and you're a big James Harden fan. If James Harden was on this team instead of Devin Booker, would they be a title contender? I think so. Probably would say, I would definitely say yes. Yeah. So how much worse is Devin Booker than, than Harden? Not that much worse. I mean, he's worse for sure. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't bring the same like uh playmaking as, as Harden does, but as a scorer, like he's, he's he might be as good, honestly, yeah. like Devin Booker is like scary good as a scorer. And I mean, Harden is a better defender than Devin Booker, which is speaks to a lot of Devin Booker's issues. I think I had a rant earlier in the year on the show about how like if Devin Booker really wants to be an elite player, like you just have to try on D and I, and I think that's good about getting Chris Paul. Like we might yeah. see Devin Booker, play a little bit harder on D but I, I agree with you like you could you could tell me that he takes a jump and averages 31 points a game on this team and it wouldn't stun me like I think Devin Booker's up there among the most skilled players in the NBA on the offense yeah side. there's definitely a huge chance that Phoenix I don't want to compare him to Atlanta because they're already better than Atlanta they're better but, than Atlanta yeah. yeah but I think their ceiling is a lot their realistic ceiling is a lot higher like if they like, were the three seed it wouldn't shock me is there a cra- is there a world where like you'd be stunned if Devin Booker was like a second team all NBA no because like year? the stats are already there like the right. offensive stats it's just like right. winning and just reputation um okay let's move on I think this is the t- hardest team for me to figure out San Antonio 32 wins last year basically rolled it back, you know, out of Devin Vassell. They still have DeMar DeRozan. They still have LaMarcus Aldridge, but they're keeping the same team together. So where does that leave you over underwise? All right. So Bovada has them as the second worst team in the West, which is quite, or I'm sorry, the third worst team in the West. It's quite interesting. 29 and a half is their over under. I don't know when it's okay to just say that like betting against Greg Popovich might be the smart thing to do. Right. And, and they have a very interesting, uh, I don't know, like DeMar DeRozan's leaving after this year. Like what's to say that they don't have like 18 wins and then trade deadline is like looming and they just say like, all right, forget it. We're going to trade DeMar because there's teams that need scoring. Like we're going to trade LaMarcus Aldridge because like he kind of reinvented himself a little bit behind the three-point line. And now he's like much more reasonable to use for all teams. I think betting against Greg Pavage is stupid and I'm still going to go under on this. It just doesn't make sense for them to play so many vets anymore. Like they're not a playoff team if they play Patty Mills and DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge 35 minutes a game. Like they're not going to get the eighth seed. As good as I think they are. It's just not happening. You so like they why kind of remind are they doing me of, it? They kind of remind me of Orlando in that way. Because Orlando has decent vets and a chance to glimpse 500. But like what's the point? That's, yeah, um, that's that's kind of – and I know that, like, Pop doesn't want to retire yet, right, because he's going to coach in the Olympics. So, like, the point is, like, Pop wants to win games. But, like, if you're R.C. Buford, at some point, don't you have to, like, look at Pop and be like, look, man, if you want to win a title again in the next five to seven years. I think they're going to – I'm going to go over, though, because I don't yeah, think they're committing in the same way. I, we haven't seen any signs that Orlando is either, but – I think Derek White's okay. I think Keldon Johnson will be helpful. Kel- over Keldon like Johnson's Brink good. Forbes. Yeah, Keldon Johnson's good. Um, so I think they're going to like chug along and then you know win 32, I, 33 games for whatever I, it's worth. I will say this. I don't know if you can bet on this. You probably can. Uh, I haven't looked on Bovada to see if you can or can't, but I do like Lonnie Walker for most improved player because like somebody has to score in bunches for them. And if DeMar is leaving, which we would assume they are, cause he is because they're not going to give DeMar DeRozan you know, nine figure a nine-figure deal or an eight-figure deal whatever i think lonnie walker is the next guy in line and so like i think he's got a ton of talent and if there's one place for him to harness it i think that sacramento is going to put him in every position to try to be the next like 
stud wing that they have. And so I think I like Lonnie Walker as a guy to target it for like most improved player. Um, next up, Sacramento. Last year, they backslid to 31 wins. They lose Bogdan Bogdanovich, but then they bring in Halliburton in the draft. They bring in Hassan Whiteside to play center. Where does that leave their over-under? Seems stinks. Uh, their over-under is they are predicted to be the wor- second worst team. That's what I was reading theirs instead of San Antonio's, but Bovada has them at 28 and a half, which, I mean, it seems reasonable that they would win 28 games. There's a lot to like about this team, but like, again, somebody has to lose games. Right. We don't really know what the deal with Bagley is. I, I would like to see him be very good. And I, I like this roster as a whole, but like, I don't know. I, I just, it's like it, they're the Kings, right? So like, I think they'll win 30 games. I think they'll go over. I think they'll win like 30 games. Yeah, I think they'll go over comfortably. I'm a Bagley fan, as you said, although it's weird that they bring in Whiteside because I'd like to see him more as a small ball. Five, Halliburton looks good in the preseason, not to overreact, but he's almost like, I mean, talk about a great combo guard next to Fox or Buddy Heald. I mean, like he's, sort of perfect he can play, yeah he can play both they have to play buddy this year which is good like there's there's no like jerking buddy healed around he just like has to start for them this year which is good so maybe they'll be better than i think yeah but again, i like, think i think they are going to be better he, than you think because fox was missed 20 games last year bagley missed like 50 games bagley missed a year. ton yeah bagley missed a ton I, it and is Luke, weird they did get better to the second half of the season they played about 500 ball in the second half of the year it is it is weird though like you said like Marvin Bagley is like very clearly better as a small ball five. Like he needs at least some small ball five minutes. Right. And next to Bielitsa, it makes a lot of sense because of their two skill sets, but then they bring in Whiteside. They very much like Rashawn Holmes. They sign Frank Kaminsky who like is capable of being a putrid backup center, but he can just play the five. So like it does, I don't know. Someone has to, this is what I keep going back to Zane. And I know you're going to do your Reddit post on like win totals for everybody or whatever, but like, Somebody has to lose games in the West. That's true. Like somebody has hard to, to be, and that's why, like, like twenty-five I think... wins. And why wouldn't it be this roster? There's one other sneaky roster I think that could lose a lot of games, and we'll get to them. But like, somebody's got to lose games, right? And it sucks for San Antonio and Sacramento because in the East, I think they would have a good shot at the eighth seed. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go to another very interesting team: New Orleans. Thirty wins only last year. A little disappointing in that regard. Coach gets fired. Bring in Stan Van Gundy. Bring in you know, Steven Adams, people don't talk about that. And then obviously they, they trade in Drew Holiday for Bledsoe and Pick. So where does that leave them? Okay, so Bovada has them at 35 and a half. I'm going under on this. This is the roster that I think has a chance to lose more games than people think. And it's not because like Zion will be bad, obviously if he gets hurt, but it's like Stan is a great coach. Like he, he somehow finds teams of non-shooters to be able to like make threes or like run capable offenses and like this team just the roster is super weird so there is some chance that zion comes in and he's just like a top 10 nba player he, he clearly wasn't healthy after the bubble like going into the bubble last year like his weight fluctuated a ton so as a full with like a real preseason i mean real preseason i guess but like with a chance to get into the season i, I really like zion i'm very bullish on his chances i don't understand why they brought steven adams in like he doesn't make sense why wouldn't you just go get horford I don't understand how that affects Jackson Hayes. They still have Brandon Ingram, obviously. They signed him to a max deal. They have J.J. Redick as a shooter, but, like, what do you do? Are you playing Bledsoe and, like, Lonzo next to each other? You, you got no spacing there. Like, Josh Hart's not a great shooter. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's not a great shooter. Not to, I mean, he can be, but, like, this is a weird roster. I think they're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. 
And I just, I think this is a very likely candidate to go under because I just don't know that they have enough time and they have the right pieces to be like, okay, by the time we really get it humming, like we're in the playoff race and it matters. I just, there's something about this roster that just like really bothers me. It just strikes me as like the 10 seed or 11 seed and maybe worse if Zion is not. I was really high on them based on Stan Van Gundy in the sense that like, I think he's a really good coach. I think he'll play more JJ Redick than they did last year just for shooting because they need to, as you mentioned. The guy's 36 though. You know what I mean? Like That's true. And he's small, you know, compared to like a Kyle Korver. And Steven Adams, to your point, like it scared the hell out of me when we talked about it. David Griffin saying they might play Zion at the three for minutes. It's like, clearly that's not the way to go. I mean, he needs like, he needs to be a small ball five, I think with like a stretch four or stretch center. If you want to play him as a, as a power forward, he needs a lot of shooting around them and they're not giving it to him right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Like, I just don't know what they're doing. They have a million guards. They have a million guards that don't shoot it well. They do have very good guards to play next to J.J. Redick, right? Like both Alonzo and Eric Bledsoe next to J.J. Redick make a lot of sense. But it made more sense to keep George Hill. Like the Stephen Adams thing is so puzzling. He's a great teammate. He works his ass off. He's a good positional defender. But it's like you don't need more bulk. Like that, you don't need that. Well, and that that makes you question the Jackson Hayes where his future is and also that pick remember they had in the lakers trade they had the fourth pick that year and then decided to trade down for extra picks ended up with jackson hayes but it's like you could have had you know a, maybe a bigger wing instead like a deandre hunter or cam reddish or something like that instead you went for a true center and i guess they're signing a true center or bringing yes. in a true center and Stephen adams like they don't uh, see what you've been talking about like zion just playing as like the bully five man yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And again, I think Zion will be pretty good wherever, but like maybe they think his defensive concerns are really legitimate and they needed a better rim protector. You know what I mean? Like maybe they were like, well, Zion's But wouldn't you go for like a Dwayne Deadman or somebody who can shoot threes? Yes. Or like a Baines? I specifically would do that. I, I don't understand. This roster makes very little sense to me. And, it, and it, Although, You know what I do like about them? Like you mentioned, it, it's like there are outliers. Yeah. And it's just like Zion is so good at converting around the rim and he gets a bunch of offensive rebounds. Like if you yeah, maybe they're his not offensive rebounds, like he's shooting like 70% at the rim or maybe, maybe rim. they're just not worried about spacing. Cause it's like, all right, Zion's like a bull in a China shop. Like he'll just score anyway. Right. Like maybe they don't care. And so I, I, I feel like if anyone's going to figure it out, Van Gundy will do it. But like, it just, I just, there's some potential that like they got to move Reddick. They want to move Josh hard. And like, it, it feels like this is part of like a longer play, right? Like it's just, this is not the roster that we're going to see. And it's like, let's right. figure and, it out. And David Griffin, like very friendly with the media, writing a lot of, you know, getting a lot of credit for the Cavs days. It's like you won a title with Kyrie Irving, LeBron and Kevin Love. You won one title with like an extremely talented group of three. It's like, let's not act like he's like a magician pulling rabbits out of a hat there. Yeah. All right, who's next? Minnesota? Or um, two State? teams left. Minnesota won 19 last year. You know, they get healthier. They get Anthony Edwards back. Full season of Russell and Beasley. Where does that leave them? Okay, so I wrote this wrong. Uh, I thought it was 30. It's actually 28 and a half as I just go back and look on Bovada. And that seems very fair to this team. We have only seen one game of Russell and Carl Anthony Towns together. Jared Culver was not very good last year. Uh, they made some deals to kind of free up some cap space. They re-signed Malik Beasley. By the way, Malik Beasley, uh, total idiot for his offseason arrest, but also like 
don't sign your contract and then get seen with your mistress because then when you get divorced, you have to give more money in that's like good, alimony. That's a very like, just, good point. So like Malik Beasley, like I don't know if that guy's good or not, but I just think he's an idiot. Like he's out for me. Like I'd never sign him because like, he's a dummy in terms of real life. But I mean, here's the thing. If Anthony Edwards is good, this team's going to be really good on offense. Uh, I don't know that they'll be able to stop anyone. They, they strike me a bit like the Atlanta Hawks, where they should be very fun to watch. They'll shoot a lot of threes. They'll play very fast. They'll be really good in pick and roll. And they won't be able to stop anyone. It, it kind of just, to me, matters if Anthony Edwards is Andrew Wiggins or if he's better than that. So I'm going to reluctantly go under and say that I don't believe in the Towns-Russell pairing i just don't believe in it but i hope they go over i think town's a likable dude i want to see edward succeed like but i think this is an under when you said like a team that is going to lose more than they thought i thought you were talking about minnesota because i love carl anthony Towns. i think people I think, think they're going to lose a lot of games right and that's true i mean you said 28 and a half but like carl anthony town's an amazing historically good scorer and shooter but like talk about roster construction. So you sign Ricky Rubio, probably play him and start him. I like Ricky Rubio. I think he's a good vet for them. But then maybe your three out of your four best players are like scoring guards. Russell, Beasley, Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards is one of those guys who allegedly grew too. So maybe you yeah, play everybody's, everybody's growing. It's so great. I love it. But, but that's backcourt. And then, at forward spots, according to Roto World, starting Josh Okogi, you know, Jared Culver might get time. They're definitely starting, and they announced um, Hernan Gomez at the four. Which is good, because he can, he can shoot it a little bit. And then they have some but, lotto tickets, right? They signed Ronnie But you talked about, if their starters are Josh Okogi and Hernan Gomez, like, I think that's one of the worst three, four in the league. In they're, terms start, of they're starting Anthony Edwards. Like, come on. I don't care what Roto World says. They're starting Anthony Edwards. I would like that. I would like that. But I, it's kind of wonky. Why would you act. draft Anthony Edwards one overall and have him backing up Josh Akoji? Like, it doesn't That's make true. sense. <laughs> and Jerry Culver. Like, what happened to Jerry Culver? They just drafted him fifth, and now they're just, like, burying him? I mean, not, not to toot the Underdog Sports NBA show podcast, but there were a lot of people on this specific Zoom call right now that were not fans of drafting Jerry Culver. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, such a wonky team. I agree. I think they're going to regret, not necessarily regret Russell move because Wiggins was, you know, not he's great. Better, but, he's better than Wiggins, for sure. He's better than Wiggins. And the, sort of the dark cloud hanging over this team, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose their draft pick. It's only top three protected, I think, going to Golden State in that Wiggins trade. And so if you end up with, let me just double check that, top three protected, if you end up with the fourth or fifth pick in a very strong draft, that You're could be, be a like disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance in the middle of the season that things are not going well in Phoenix and they trade Anthony Edwards to Phoenix for Devin Booker? Anthony Edwards and something, obviously. Well, yeah, they allegedly really want Devin Booker in Minnesota. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that that little likely. trio plays like Fortnite against each other. Like uh, Carl Towns and like D'Angelo Russell and <laughs> Devin Booker. Like They're all like buddies, which is cool. Like I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but it's like you can't just... Like Russell thinks he's just like manifesting that trio playing together. Cause he's like, yeah, we want to play with Devin Booker. We love Devin Booker. Like we're going to get Devin Booker. And it's like, you, there, there's more that goes into this. You can't just, well, like, it's funny that like people happen. like really, it's something about maybe cause college, you choose where to go to college. They feel like those college ties are just so strong. Like yeah, for sure. John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, we've been talking about them forever. They played one year together in Kentucky and didn't make the Final Four. It's like the bands back together this year in Houston, though. Right. And they talk about it. Like they're gonna relive their success from their college days. Like your college days were like four months long. I mean, like 
it's not like a historic run there. Yeah, I, and D'Angelo Russell didn't even go to Kentucky, right? So it's like yeah. very weird. I don't know, but I, I don't I don't think that would happen because like at Phoenix is not going to give up on Booker, but it's not not even give up on him. But like they're not going to move off. Booker, well, and also but. you think they're going to be really good. So last team, they technically had the worst record in the league last year, fifteen wins from Golden State. Added Ubre and Weissman, and Clay is out again. So how does that impact their winning? Yeah, I was surprised to see this because I thought this would be a little bit lower. Uh, but on Bavada, they are at 36 and a half. And that feels right on the money to me. I, they could definitely be worse than that. They could be a little bit better than that. I don't, you know, in, in looking over their roster, like I, I kind of was like diving in. I, I didn't look at a ton of teams like super in depth before we did this. But like I, like Golden State has like some good players, right? Like they have, if Steph Curry is a superstar again, which I don't think there's any reason to think that he's not. And like if Draymond Green cares, and there is some reason to think that that may not be the case. Like they still have Kevon Looney. Like, I mean, Wiseman, there's reason to be excited about. Like Marquise Chris is like a good backup. He's never justified being a top 10 pick, but like he's fine. Baysmore can really guard. You've been all about Damian Lee as an NBA rotation player. He exists as that. Like he's good. Wiggins is who he is. And then Kelly Oubre is the same way, but like, if Curry is really good, this team has a chance, I think, to be better than people think. Like, originally, I was like, lock, they don't make the playoffs. I don't know about that. Like, they could be the seven seed. Like, why can't they be like Oklahoma City was last year? That's a good point. And then I I just have bad vibes. I just yeah. feel like the Clay thing is like, like, took the wind out of their sails. It's like, and Steph Curry relying on him. I picked him for MVP last year because I thought he could carry a team. But now he's 32. You know. I don't know if he can get through 70 games playing 34 or 35 minutes, which he might need to do. I, Draymond looks cooked to me. This is a team finished 26th in defense last year. How are they much better defensively? Yeah, I mean, I think your your point is correct. Like, they're expecting Draymond to take that leap back to being that, like, game-breaking defender. And, and maybe he can do that, right? Like, his level of, like give a shit last year didn't really exist right and it, i think it's dangerous to say that there's guys that can turn it on and turn it off but there are we know there are i think draymond looked bad last year like his body looked bad like his i'll even go a step further i thought draymond took a noticeable step back even when they were winning titles i thought i thought he was like declining then maybe it's it's definitely it's it's definitely reasonable i think to say that that like i don't, I don't know that to be the case it obviously like when he had to do different things it was fine, right? But he was well, He's still, one of those guys, like, if he was born in Africa, people would say, he, is he five years older than he is he does. He, he, does look, he does look old. And, and, and you're right. The, the last year, like 2018, 2019, the year they lost to Toronto, was he was noticeably worse than he was in 16, 17, and 17, 18. And a lot of the stuff was, like, the Kevin Durant stuff and, like, you know, who knows? But, I mean, the guy's only 30, right? Like, he's Yeah, not, he looks really old, though. But I mean, he's played a ton of minutes. He played four years in college. Like, you know, it, it, there is some level of toll. It t- it, unless you're LeBron, when you play deep into the finals every single year, it matters. So, like, maybe – I mean, shit, Sam. Like, I, I don't want to, like, jump to any conclusions. But, like, LeBron not playing into the playoffs last year clearly helped him this year. Like, he was much more energetic to start the year. Maybe it's good for Draymond. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, we do see that guy again that's in shape and motivated. Yeah, I guess. I mean, 
But he's not LeBron in that sense. You know, LeBron's just a freak, right? But like, yeah, I feel like LeBron really threw the curve off for all these guys. But I mean, you're talking about a guy, right, that played 2,000 plus minutes in the regular season for one, two, three, four, five straight years. And then in the playoffs, added like an additional almost 1,000 minutes, right? So like he he played. But you know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, We were just talking yesterday about football. And then, like, Tom Brady and Drew Brees are in their 40s, and you can see a decline now. And as the season and, gets on, they're just... Right, bad. definitely. Like, Peyton Manning did that, too, towards the end, where they just, like, take a nosedive in the second half of the year. But th- the idea is, like, oh, now, because of Brady, because of Brees, quarterbacks decline around 40. Yeah, it doesn't But that way. normal quarterbacks, like we were watching Matt Ryan, it's like he looks noticeably worse to me, too, and he's only yeah. 35. I mean, like, Roethlisberger's, like, 38, and people still think he's really good, but, like, you watch him, and you're like, Yeah, well, he's, he like, much worse. He can't throw in the Manning. middle of the field anymore. It's the same deal. And so, like, yeah. I, I do think, though, with a guy like Draymond Green, when you're not a physical freak, and he is certainly not, like, he, he does a lot of things well, and, like, he, he, you know, his mind is obviously his best attribute, but, like, when you are a little heavier and, like, a little shorter and you have to work a little harder, like, when you do – lose like that motivation on top of playing so many extra minutes like it, it really could like it, there is a world right Zane, where draymond's just done like he's 30 years yeah. old and he's just finished and, and it's it, you know and it still doesn't diminish what he's done but it definitely does make you look at his career a little bit different and so i i think he'll be better i think he'll be motivated i don't know that we'll see defensive player of the year draymond green but i think we'll see a guy Credibly, that's an all defensive player. I think I really do feel that. I you know what? Really. You know what? Kind of, uh, I was gonna say in my head, and looking at the stats, they don't bear this out, but in my head, Rodman crashed hard and noticeably. And it, the stats don't really show that. Actually, his last season in the league, he averaged 14 rebounds, two points, and 14 rebounds. Yeah, but when he was um, done, he, didn't he play like nine games after that, though? Like, he, yeah, he had a he, season where he just like didn't play at all, like, he just was totally finished. Yeah, and he was older anyway. He was like another guy who came in the league a little older. And I think Ben Wallace is the same way. But in my head, Ben Wallace also crashed hard. He played twelve games that year. He averaged fourteen rebounds. Well, still, that's crashed impressive. hard. This is a good. This is a good comparison. Like he played. But he played after at, he left the Bulls. He played thirty-five more games in his career. But he did average. He did but average Ben Wallace, two years. You know, he won a couple title and one title, four All Star teams. A year or two later, and he was pretty much not even worth starting. Right, because if you have one skill, right, and Draymond has a couple other skills. Like there, there's Ben Wallace was an amazing defender, great motor, unbelievable rebounder, whatever. Draymond is still a very valuable offensive player because he can dribble, he can pass. Like if if he's capable of doing that, but like when his one skill is that like he used this super switchy small five man that can guard guards and centers, and he's not quick enough to do that anymore. You lose a ton of your value very quickly. You know? And the guys were talking about Rodman and Ben Wallace declined in their mid thirties, late thirties. So yeah, it's it, in Draymond thirty. Draymond's period. thirty, like he's thirty. And again, that's why I am I'm erring on the side of like the break was good for him. Like it's back to like the Steph and Clay. Well, not Clay, but like he's part of it, obviously. But like the Steph and Clay Warriors with Draymond, where like there's no Kevin Durant. Like you know, I, I personally feel like Draymond will have a very good bounce back year. I feel that way. I hope, but I, I can't guarantee that. Like there is some chance you're right. And he's just finished. There's definitely yeah, a chance. And also um, I bet the under, I just think if they get to 500, Steph Curry did a great job because he's playing with a bunch of guys who are just besides Draymond. 
Just okay. A bunch of losers, really. I mean, yeah, like, like just when's good. Kelly Oubre been on a winning team? When is... uh, perhaps you forgot about the sixteen seventeen Wizards? Did I not talk about this team? Um, well, what about Wiggins? Has he ever been on a winning <laughs> no. team? Wiggins, and the one year actually. Wiggins, yeah, certified Wiggins. loser. Yeah, it's just like a lot of guys who just haven't really shown. James it. James Wiseman, three and zero in college, undefeated in his college career. There's a winner for you. I don't know. It's it's interesting how they view the West, though. Like, it's it's very clear that the West is much deeper than the East. Like there's no Charlotte, like there's one Charlotte Hornets type team, right? And that's like, I guess San Antonio and Sacramento, but they're both better than Charlotte, right? There's no, like all those teams are better than Orlando, than Detroit, than Charlotte, than Cleveland, right? Yes. Like they're just better than those teams. And so, like I said, I someone has to lose games and it'll be interesting to see who it is. And it'll be interesting to see kind of where the dust settles on the West because the top is really good and the middle is really good. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I feel like Minnesota is the team historically that's gotten the most effed over by being in the West compared to like Chicago, for example, or Cleveland. Yeah, I didn't like, even talk about Chicago, but like Minnesota's as good as Chicago, right? And we're not talking about Minnesota competing for a playoffs. I'm just talking about like geographically. They're like, why can't I be in the East? You know, like I'm pretty East Coast. I'm you know, I'm Midwest. Can't we call that the East? And somehow they, you know, historically have only made the you know second round one time just because I feel like the, the barrier to entry in the West is so hard. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It'll be and and so like we said, we did have some preseason games. I think next week will be the last show we do before the season officially starts, right? Because it starts next uh, Wednesday. No, next Tuesday is the start of the NBA season, which is stunning to think about. Yes. Uh, and so, are we doing wins draft next week or no? Yeah, I think wins draft and predictions. Right. We'll do we'll Let's do start. a couple preseason awards and we'll go quicker on the wins draft we'll do that and then we'll be back probably after christmas to recap the first week of the nba season which is amazing to think about so uh zan mtv challenge accepted thursday mornings or friday mornings you never know it's i keep asking it's like santa claus you never know when he's going to show i guess he always shows up at a certain time but ours is a little more rascally uh, two uh, episodes so far in the show. I've heard. I've heard. I've had other people text me that the show is very good so far. That they like the premise. So yeah, no, it's a good show. And you have CT and Wes. You have a lot of the old folks back in it. You have TJ Lavin. You have a theme. It's like James Bond, super spies, um, some double crossing. It's. I'm. I'm not even joking. Like we don't have anything to plug. This is not like our livelihood. Um, I promise you it's not it's worth watching the show the podcast right, so you know 50 50 but the show is worth watching to. mtv challenge accepted keep an eye out on your feeds for uh thursday or friday more more than likely friday he is zan underscore ellison on twitter and reddit and uh, email the show xander ellison at gmail.com and as always zan it's a pleasure take care thanks for listening to the underdog sports nba show with your host tyler laurie and xander ellison tune in next week for more nba storylines and news